Did you know using your browser in incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? Take back your privacy with IPVanish VPN. Just one tap and all your data, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be instantly protected. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. Use IPVanish on all your devices, anytime you go online at home and especially on public Wi-Fi. Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com audio. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Comedy Album Book Club Volume 3. I'm your host, Jason DeLine. We here at the Social Capital Theater have just listened to, here's the full album title, The Songs and Comedy of the Smothers Brothers, recorded at the Purple Onion San Francisco. Or was it? Uh, <laughs> I suggest you listen to it as well before going any further listening at home. Okay, so uh, I have three guests today as always. My first guest is Mr. Nug Nargang. Hello. Welcome, Nug. Uh, a local Toronto actor, and he is also a, a famed, is that a good word? I guess. Famed improviser. Sure. And uh, he has a podcast as well, which is uh, sort of a sci-fi radio play comedy podcast. It's bi-weekly, and it's completely improvised. Yeah, right? we, uh, yeah, we make up the whole thing and we get a title either from an old Twilight Zone episode that no one knows what those titles are from those episodes anyway. Like some, sometimes it's like the eye of the beholder. Oh, cool. And it doesn't really tell you. The what man who didn't know his name. Exactly. That could be much. one. Yeah. It's called too much. Right. Uh, or we get a fan to send us a title and when we do live shows, we source a title from the audience and then we just kind of improvise a Twilight Zone episode so it can be Pretty much any genre, but always things don't turn out well. It's very cool and very fun. I was at the show that Billy West was on. That was a blast. It was a blast. And it was neat because I think we talked about it afterwards, and I think you described it as sort of like doing improv with your dad. Yeah, Billy West (laughs) has a back pocket go-to of about 15 different impressions, Mm. and he's just going to do them. So you kind of just go, we're at the the space bank, and it's time for a robbery. Well, here comes Frank Sinatra. (laughs) (laughs) Cool, Uncle, Uncle Billy's doing his Frank Sinatra. Impression. It was really fun. It was just like, so fun. Talk about improvising. We were just like, oh, now this. Yeah. So it was just like one extra thing piled up. And the nicest guy. Just an absolute world. sweetheart. Time for everybody. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Uh, we also have Sherilyn Johnson. Hello. Comedy journalist. Uh, has written for Vanity Fair and the AV Club. As well as a book called Bears and Balls, The Colbert Report, A to Z. I assume he's A to Z because it's for Americans. Yeah, about, about, about half the radio interviews I did was, is it, is it Z or Z? Oh, and, I'm so and sorry to bring my that answer, up. Yeah, my, no, it's not, uh, my answer was that uh, my co-author was American, uh, okay. so it's both. Whatever, whatever sells books, want. pal. Well, yeah, whatever. Yeah. It doesn't change the alphabetizing of the book. It right. no. So who cares? No. Is that also available uh, in digital format? Uh, yes, you can get it uh, digital format, and you can cool. get it uh, paperback. You know, Amazon chapters. You can order it in to your favorite indie bookstore. Right on. Uh, and this came out of stuff. being a super fan of 
what exactly? The Daily Show or Colbert uh, or what was it? Yeah, well, I mean, if you want to go way back, uh, Chain Reaction started with uh, the Jon Stewart show in 94, 95. Oh, wow. I was a mega Ooh. fan of that. Uh, I, if you find uh, clips on YouTube, chances are they were from my VHS tapes um, that, <laughs> that have circulated and that I still have. Uh, they're deteriorating. Um, and then uh, Daily Show. And then uh, when the Colbert Report started, uh, yeah, super impressed and cool. um, had seen uh, Colbert with a bunch of Daily Show writers and producers in Montreal at a Just for Laughs event before he started that show and uh, was, yeah, super impressed and continue to be impressed to this day. That's awesome. So is there a reason you didn't do a Daily Show book? Uh, It sounds like you fell more in love with Colbert after... Stewart or? Yeah, I, I mean, it was just a, a kind of an opportunity thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot more to talk about, I think, with Colbert. And it was sort of a, it was a very impulsive decision. Mm. Um, when he announced that he was ending the Colbert Report, it was going to be, it was in, it was April that he announced it and they were ending it in December. And within a couple of weeks, uh, I, you know, I started thinking, well, someone should write a book about this show. And that someone should probably be me. And if I'm ever going to do it, it's only going to sell now. Right. So, um, you know, people wow. usually have a year and a half to put something like that together. And my co-author and I did it in uh, eight months by ourselves wow. while I was working full time and remounting my solo show at Winnipeg Fringe. And she was working in England and and working on graduating from you know, college at the same time. Wow. We almost wow. died, basically. Fantastic. I hope it leads to you being on the late show at some point. Uh, well, Is technically, technically, if you watch the premiere episode of the late show, uh-huh. uh, the musical, there was a big musical number at the end with like Mavis Staples and Ben Folds and all these people. Uh, and they did, uh, everyday people. And one of the photos that shows up behind them is me. What? So, nice. so technically, so cool. I've been on the late show, and also I've been in a bunch of audience shots, but I don't really count that. That's yeah. and so technically, oh, that's really cool. I don't know There's if I can homage like homage to you there. Yeah, I don't know if that's I can. Really nice. Well, they didn't. You know, it was a random. Anyway, you're not, uh, the, I'll, you're I'll, not the only one in the photo. I'm not the only. Yeah, <laughs> it's <not> a big <laughs> headshot. Yeah, it's just you <laughs> for the entire. This was time. all dedicated to Sharon and Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. If only. That's great. No, that's super cool. Uh, also, on the end of the row here, we have Adam McNamara. Hello, hi, uh, Toronto comedian and co-host and co-creator of the video game series web series Games on the Rock. That is correct. Which yes. is a really fun show. Tell us uh, quickly what the premise is. I love this idea. Uh, <laughs> it's it's quite simple. We uh, we uh, get drunk and we play video games and we try to beat the games. And uh, what's your hit rate so far? How what's the percentage of games beaten drunk? Uh, <laughs> Any idea? One one percent. We beat we beat one and it was called Puyan. Uh, I know Puyan. Yeah, you're in a basket and you're a pig. And yeah, 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 yeah. You're 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 a mama balloons. you're a mama pig uh, yeah. and you got to save your kid Puyan oh, from yeah. uh, from wolves. <laughs> So I, I was that. able I loved that game. I was able to beat <laughs> Puyan, which right. it's fun because we like we don't really remember what happened. So when we're yeah. reviewing the footage, we're like, "Oh, we beat Puyan!" It's like, "Oh, wow, okay." <laughs> what? So yeah, so there's. I really find the show funny where you there's stuff that happens in the show sometimes where you'll see something like when uh, in one of the Donkey Kong games you came across the golden boombox. Yeah, and you just stop and you're like. Why is it gold? Yeah, because that's a glitch. And then you said, uh, well, write on the comments if you, if you could figure it out. And it's so funny because it feels like 
it feels like you treat this like it's a live show that can't be edited. <laughs> where, where I would just literally Google it for five minutes. Well, we're too And then drunk go, to okay, it. we figured it out. And then just cut that out. But you're like, there's no way to know. <laughs> no, no, I don't know. Well, like, we, we, we looked it up afterwards. Cause, like, yeah. Because, like, I don't know. Like, you're into the game and, like, we've had, like, six beers. And then, like, and then the, like, the monkey all of a sudden has, like, a golden boombox. And we just lost it. We're like, we didn't know I, what was I don't happening. think it was six beers. I think no? it was a little stronger than that. Uh, oh, oh no, we were having a... Uh, Oh, because we have we have special mixed drinks yeah. that we make for each episode. Oh, so we had uh, we had a Drunky Kong, which Drunky was Kong. Uh, a banana liqueur right. with a coconut liqueur uh, and A and W root beer. <laughs> no, and mix it together. Oh, mother's yeah. milk. That no, sounds it's, fantastic. Yeah, it's so good. I'm gonna yeah. write that down for some friends. Yeah, yeah, it's it's good. <laughs> okay, it's fair good. point. You probably wouldn't be able to use your phones or no. Like, uh, yeah, it's, uh, we, <laughs> did I you think... ever find out why the why it's, the boombox was gold? It's a glitch, apparently. It's a glitch that it's, doesn't uh, can it just happen out of nowhere. I don't know. Like, yeah, we looked it up and like it's just people. The only thing we could find were just clips of like like golden glitch, and we're like, Ooh. all right. And we looked it up and it was just, just the same thing. thing. So it didn't right. really say wow. how we did it. But we did. Cool. It. So what? So, uh, what? Uh, what's next? Do we have looked forward to on that show? What's the uh, next game? We just released our Halloween special where cool. we play Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters Two so, for, uh, for right NES. Right so uh, that was pretty. That was pretty painful to uh, <laughs> to get through. But uh, yeah, so check it out. Check All right, it out. cool. Uh, games on the rocks. Okay, so. Guys, we just listened to this album together. Yep. What yep. a beautiful bonding mm-hmm. experience. <laughs> and uh, so, Nug, yes. uh, you wanted to do the Smothers yeah. Brothers, and this is their first album. So Yeah. Uh, when I was uh, a, sm- a small child, uh, when I was <laughs> younger, uh, we lived on a farm, and we had three channels that you had to, you know, on your television that you had to get by an aerial. I'm speaking slowly for the city kids. Um, <laughs> and you had to have your aerial, your giant aerial, and you had a big box with a dial, and we had it marked where the three channels were. Right. But on some days, if the weather was bad, you got no channels. Mm-hmm. And my father, uh, who was a child of the 60s, has a massive comedy album collection. Oh, wow. So he has all the Smothers Brothers, a bunch wow. of Cosby, a bunch of Pryor, uh, a Jonathan Winters album, and and Carlin and this. And so we listened to the Smothers Brothers. And it hit home for me because I have a brother. Uh, and we're the only two uh, in our family. And he's um, – I'll say, you know, we were kind of like Tom and Dick. Uh, I was the slow one and he was <laughs> the superior one, but I'm the older one. Right. So it just, it, we, you know, we, we still to this day take turns treating each other like the dumb one or calling the other one and speaking like the dumb one. And the other right. one has to go, oh, no, that's not right. <laughs> just doing bits with each other. But we have listened to this album so much. And so I know it's their first album and the Smothers Brothers, I think, are, um, even though they had their 50th anniversary of their uh, their variety show recently, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like they're a very overlooked comedy act. Yeah. Uh, but the people they had writing for them on their variety show were oh. like Steve Martin was on there. Yeah, Rob, Reiner. Rob Reiner. Like so many amazing people have worked with them because of the start they had with this album. Right. And then we were saying, you know, it's live at the Purple Onion. Literally only the oh, intro. Yeah. Just <laughs> the intros from the Purple Onion. This was in Texas? Yeah, somewhere else. Yeah, because really the tape know. from the Purple Onion was garbage. So they just did a whole other show somewhere else. But they're uh, yeah, they did it in Texas. But uh, two years ago, their very first performance ever was at the Purple Onion. Yeah, and so as a thank you, sort of for giving them their start, they they gave them the credit. So hope I don't know if Houston's still angry about that. I Maybe. doubt it. Zach <laughs> <laughs> Galifianakis also did a, a special at the Purple yeah. Onion. That's true. Which yeah. which when I saw that, I was like, that's where the Smothers Brothers did it. Like I yeah. totally knew where the Purple Onion. was. And that's in San Francisco. It's a far yeah. cry from Houston, Texas, and it's not a comedy bar. 
Like oh, it's really? not a comedy place at all. It's more like oh. a jazz bar. Oh. Now, anyway. Mm. But back then, it was a – you'd go with your wife and have a smart cocktail and watch some entertainment. And it turned out mm-hmm. the Smothers Brothers were being funny while they were entertaining. That's the thing. I mean, I feel like this is an interesting album to try to sell people. If you like silly people who play excellent folk music, yeah. you'll like this album. I mean, <laughs> that niche uh, market, very <laughs> niche thing. But yeah. they were, but they blew up because, yeah. the, it, like, at, in the time, like new. they do uh, at the end of the album, they do Tom Dooley, the Kingston Trio, yeah. and the Kingston Trio were huge. Folk music Absolutely. was gigantic, and here were two safe, well dressed white good boys mm-hmm. doing folk tunes, which everybody loved in suits and the stand-up bass and everything. And they were completely accomplished musicians. And then their banter between songs was hysterical. Yeah. And that's what made them big. They were doing something other people were doing, but being funny with it. And Dick is so amazing at saying, staying straight the whole time. Oh. And, and Tom's straight most of the time too, but he, he, to me, when I was listening to it, I was thinking he's like a six year old. Who's trying really hard? Yeah, uh, it's but kind once of in a while, impish, he, impish kind yeah, of. Yeah, once in yeah. a while, he can't help but make a joke or go. <laughs> but <laughs> but a lot of the stuff is just him trying really hard, and this is the information that I believe to be true. And as you were saying, it's, it's like he's so tr- much inform- he, misinformation. He's trying to uh, do the job that he's been told to do. Like right. you have to introduce the song. And he has none of the information. <laughs> but I still have to exactly. barrel forward and introduce this song. So he gets a lot of things wrong, screws yeah. up his words. And then there's Dickie going, here's the right word, off the right. side. And then he still barrel – like he will never admit he's wrong. Yeah. He'll barrel forward incorrectly when they say that song was, this is an Israeli song. It's from Holland. It's from the yeah. – in Holland, but the Israeli part. Like he never lets it go. But it's Dick is so gentle with him on this album. I feel like later on, oh, later on they just roast each other. Yeah, it gets a little more uh, more heated between them, right? Yeah, and uh, and, and that's when the uh, "Mom Always Like You Best" stuff starts yeah. to come in, and that's sort of the classic era. This feels very early. There are points where it was hard for me to tell who was who when they were singing or talking. Mm-hmm. They've got a very similar style, but yeah, Tom is <laughs> Tom is definitely the very very earnest, but. It, you can't quite tell from listening to the the album, but when you see him in TV, sometimes there's like a twinkle in his eye when he's making these lies up. And <laughs> I think yeah. you can so, hear the twinkle a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, I wonder if, if everyone realizes. Like sometimes it's like, oh, is he just is he just not sure, or is he purposely? telling lies to mess with the audience. Yeah. And I think they really leaned into that later where he's just enjoying telling lies and, and, and Dick lets him away with it a lot less later on. There's a bit, uh, after all the years they were banned from CBS, Letterman mm-hmm. had them on right when the ban was lifted or whatever. Letterman had them on and they did this bit and it was a Spanish song. And so, uh, it's one of my favorite bits cause they're still doing the same beside each other, stand up mm-hmm. bass guitar. And Tom is trying to speak, Spanglish. He's basically speaking Spanglish. Right. And he's saying words, and Dickie keeps calling him on it. You have no idea what these <laughs> words mean. Yeah. You have no idea what you're saying. You're lying to the people. You don't know what these words mean. And Tom says, El Toro Crapo. <laughs> and, and then Dickie goes, <laughs> what? And he says, El Toro Crapo. And Dickie says, I, you don't even know what that means. And Tom says, bullshit. And they bleep it. So the live and Letterman 
collapses. <laughs> and the live audience goes bananas. Awesome. But they bleeped it for the air, which is the best part of that. It's the yeah. first right. time they're back on CBS after a ban, <laughs> and he swears. <laughs> it's that just the way they are, man. It's yeah. so much fun. And uh, it's it's so – it's rehearsed impossibly well that it seems so off the cuff. Yeah. Like these jokes are so good, you could not improvise them. That you, you could not just wing it. It's tons of practice. Yeah. To the point it's, of it looks – Made up, like, yeah. It looks yeah. It's spontaneous. absolutely incredible. It's such a ca- like a perfectly casual delivery yeah. that it just like just you believe you know, it off all. The yeah. yeah, yeah. Like individually, you'd feel that like you would believe the lie that he's telling, but because there's that duo aspect, yeah. it's just like mm, no. And then that's yeah. where like I found like the funny comes from because if you just listen to him, be like, oh yeah, like this is a song, yeah, really popular Israeli song. If it was just him, you'd be like. Yeah, that, and also at yeah. that point he's built up enough wrongness yeah, that the yeah, audience yeah, is yeah, on yeah. board with this guy's bullshitting right. me right now. Yeah, there's a trust that yeah. he builds, and then it's like it's broken. It's like nope. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Dick calls Fire. him on it, and then he starts backpedaling. Well, yeah, like, oh, no, 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 but it was this. Yeah. Was like, no, no. Uh, there was a, I watched a clip today when uh, they were on um, 2011. They were on uh, Craig Ferguson, oh. and they were just talking about how they flew here and that how Tommy's a pilot. And Dick just says that's not true. He's like, well, let me finish the thought, <laughs> and he just keeps telling all these lies about being a pilot to fly. They just keep saying that's not true some of it's true let me finish the (laughs) a lot of it's true Uh, but he just kept going 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 and then at the end they just have this conversation about why would you put so much effort into making up that lie and he says that didn't take much effort (laughs) (laughs) he doesn't defend the lies that's the brothers part of it too like billing yourself as like you are brothers but billing yourself as brothers and then having this uh, stage presence of Correcting the dumb one, or being superior, yeah. or I'm, and being the one that can very gently or very strongly tell your brother he's an idiot. Yeah, it's it's inherent that it's okay to do that because he's your brother. Mm, so like right. the audience goes, ah, they're brothers. But I also like that Tom will will come back at him in a way that Dick wouldn't because Dick doesn't want to be unprofessional. Yes, but Tom's willing to do that little dig and be the the imp, like you said, and and. Dick can't do anything because he won't sink to yeah. that level, so to speak. It's it's pretty neat dynamic. Uh, Sherilyn, have you been a fan for a long time, or you you said you listened to the album recently? Yeah, listened to the album recently. Um, I had I had kind of I guess the opposite experience uh, that Nug did in that uh, when I was young and very small, I only knew these guys as uh, the two guys from the shredded wheat commercials. Right. Ah, yes. Whoa. Definitely no broccoli. Right. <laughs> yeah. That was the thing. Oh my right? god. No broccoli. broccoli. Yeah. Some there's a couple like different broccoli. ones. One of the, yeah. at least one of them's on YouTube. Um, but uh, yeah, when I was when I was young, if you're you know around my age, approaching forty, um, that you know that would be your first exposure yeah. uh, as a Canadian. Anyway, um, I don't think they ran in the U.S., but. Uh, yeah, it, it, so I, you know, for the longest time, I was like, oh, that, you know, they, they're fun two guys, but yeah. you know, kind of then was like, oh, they have a, they do the, you know, whatever, they're, they're, they exist beyond this commercial, and kind of and, old to be just serial spokesman, really. <laughs> but right in the but, wheelhouse yeah. of shredded wheat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there were, there were, their banter was, you know, yeah, appropriate for a commercial that sure. aired, you know on primetime television yeah, kind of a thing. Um, yeah, it was cute. And then uh, it wasn't until um, I was uh, like four, I want to say 14 maybe, um, getting into like hardcore comedy nerddom that I, you know, was starting to read about like, you know, 
uh, Lauren Michaels, I guess, worked on his sh- on their show and and found out that they were badasses. I'm like, <laughs> what? The shredded wheat guys are awesome. They're I secret badasses. What happened? Um, so yeah, it was kind of I kind of backed into my knowledge of who they were and what they were about and cool. yeah, what they had done. I think it was the same thing with me. Yeah, I saw them on the on the shredded wheat commercials and my grandfather would say, oh, it's the Smothers Brothers. How do you know their names, these two guys <laughs> on this thing? And then, you know, we would rent VHSs, my, my, my dad and my grandpa and stuff, and watch those old things. And, yeah, it, it, I lo- I've been a lifelong Steve Martin fan. And just recently I've seen – he was a writer on the show, as we all know. And then they gave him, like, a break to – do a stand-up bit on the show, and that's the only time I think I've ever seen footage of him with brown hair. Yeah, because yeah. uh, he went gray at thirteen, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, like that. Uh, I think in I think in this episode he was actually twenty-two oh, on the on wow. the Smothers. Yeah, Doing, crazy. writing on the Smothers Brothers <sighs> and performing at twenty-two. You would think that's where you'd top out, right? Yeah, <laughs> and then Steve Martin became arguably the biggest stand-up comedian of all time for, for the next little while. Uh, what about you, Adam? What was your introduction to uh, the Smothers Brothers? Uh, you know what? Again, it was um, when I was really little, and I remember being up at uh, my cottage, and we had one of those dial things too. Yeah. I remember that. Cause it, yeah, because it made this like mm-hmm. I was like the yeah. sound it made. It was like it sounded like a can opener. Yeah, it sounded like- and I would I would like always like twist it, and my dad would be like, "Stop it!" Like you're gonna like break it, but I was, like yeah, and I just like that sound and. I ours looked like a UFO on top of the roof, too. It was this disc thing. I like, uh, uh, yeah, well, ours it, was like... Just that uh, Mars was a straight line with a bunch of wires. Yeah, that okay. was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I like how That's this has turned into, like, this... Guys, <laughs> <aerial. Tell> <laughs> what television used to be. Welcome to Tech Talk. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, so, like, so I'm playing with that. And then, like, the Smothers Brothers came on. And I remember thinking they were funny, and I liked the music. Um, and I, I, I really loved the banter. But when I think back as a child watching them... I remember they had a guest on who who was really good at yo-yos. It was Tom. It was Tom. The was it, was Tom he a regular? Was, he was the yo-yo man. Tom, the, Tom, yeah. the, the brother. The brother. Tom Smothers. Smothers was the yo-yo, was the yo-yo, man. yo-yo man. That was the same guy? Same guy. <laughs> really? Yeah. Mind blown. Are you Lot kidding twist. me? No. Because no. it was like... And Dick was the voice of yo. He did like a voice. The man over. from yo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they were the same guy? They were the same guy. Oh, because I thought it was like... How many banana coconuts? <laughs> when I was like six, I oh, wish that was you records. listeners could yeah. see oh Adam's God. face. It's yeah, absolutely amazing. Say, yeah, Tom is actually oh. a legit yo-yo wizard. He's an amazing yo-yo. Because I would, yeah, because I watched it. And I'm like, wait, where'd the Smothers Brothers go? And then the man from Yo came out, and then I. I like went to my dad. I was like, "We gotta get yo-yos." Oh, my brother and I got yo-yos, but we were bad, and it just kind of turned into us just like whacking each other with yo-yos. But like, I didn't had no clues. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. he is a genius with a yo-yo. Yes, he is. That's wow. Yeah, Yeah, look it up. What a thing to be skilled at. Like at some point, a job offer is going to come through. We need a musical comedian. Some yo-yo required. Yeah. That's not going to happen. That blew Appar- my mind. He is apparently wow. uh, the only uh, golfer to ever sink a ball with a yo-yo. Yeah. <laughs> He's hit the ball into a hole with a yo-yo. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> He's amazing. Really? It's like, but wait, he started playing golf with a yo-yo? Like he's like it's he, just a he, thing he, he teed up with a yo-yo and like <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. It said it like oh. 800 yards. No, I don't. Like so if you good. played like a whole like <laughs> a whole, 18 holes, that's a long day. Yeah, yeah. A like, I don't know how you drive it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like walk the dog and like he's just like that's how he puts. Or something? I think it's the putting. I think yeah, it was the putting. I haven't seen the footage. It's a it's sort like he of... shoots it. 
I'm just. I'm sorry. I'm just no, trying no, to picture. I'm it. happy to have like, you work it he, out like, in real time. He dangles it and hits <laughs> it, or is, does he shoot it at it? Like kind of like it's with a the, walk the dog situation. I think he's got crazy. a very powerful dog walk. Very that's good. crazy. I have a feeling, but yeah, I imagine that show. I hope they were sponsored by somebody who made so yo-yos like Mister Yo Yo, like whatever the company. Whammo, yeah, yeah. Whammo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. well, I don't know. Yo-yo. I don't know. Mine, like there was a yo-yo. a yo-yo company just called Yo Yo. Yeah, I think really. I think, I think that's where it came from. I yeah, guess so. And I, their stock must have gone through the roof after that show oh. came out. Watching this, well, they got my hands, dollar. Or, yeah, they have like two in each hand. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. Just insane. Was this stuff. the inspiration for the uh, the Simpsons episode? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, 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 wow. probably. We we wouldn't have near the yo yo obsession we have if it weren't for the Smithers Brothers. <laughs> I think that's probably safe to that say. That is nuts. All right, this, is, uh, this feels like a good time to take a little break. Uh, I'm getting to, my yo-yo. You pick up the pieces uh, of your brain. That we're going to take a little break and Whoa. gather some uh, questions from the audience, and then we will return with the rest of the show. Comedy Album Book Club is recorded live on the first Thursday of every month at the Social Capital Theatre in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Join us, won't you? We listen to the album at 9.30 p.m., and then we record the panel discussion for the podcast. Tickets are pay what you can, with some proceeds going to Covenant House, Canada's largest agency for at-risk, homeless, and trafficked youth. For more details, please visit us at ComedyAlbumBookClub.com. I'm Jason DeLine. Thanks for listening. All right, cool. We are back uh, from the break, and we got some questions from the audience. Thank you. Uh, so, Nug, you were talking with uh, audience member yes. Dave about, and he asked you a question about something to do with the Smothers Brothers, correct? Uh, just, uh, or, you know, we were just talking about how long I've been listening to them and how, uh, you know, how they influenced me. I When I first started doing comedy, I was in a duo with uh, Perry Perlmutter, and Perry does stand-up now. Uh, but Perry and I were a duo, and a lot of our stuff was... You know, we were very conscious of, okay, in this one, you're the dumb one. I'm the smart one. And then right. we'd flip it. And then we'd try it. Let's, how can we both be the dumb one? You right. play with that kind of thing. And they kind of did. There were a, a few songs later on where Dickie was wrong. Sure, and then yeah. the then the inherently wrong Tom would correct him. And, of course, nobody believed him. Right. Which was part <laughs> of the comedy of that. But you, yeah. when you're in a duo, yeah. you... You really only have each other. When you're doing stand up, mm. you only have yourself. Right. And when you're in a sketch troupe, you have a few other people. And or an improv yeah. troupe, you have a few other people. But when you're in a duo, it's you ride or die with the other yeah. person. Your partners are your foes, and that's yeah. how you you play every everything. I, I really like the the one bit where um there there was a bit where uh Dickie is singing a song and he pauses and he says to Tom, What are you doing? He says, What do you mean what are we doing? You always come in there. Yeah, but I'm not supposed to. Yeah, but you always do. <laughs> yeah. And so he was mad at him for not screwing up and coming in because that screwed him up. And what an am- <laughs> I love the levels of that, the, that concept. Like, who's yeah. really to blame here? There's those two <laughs> bits that they always did. My favorite was uh, when he was singing a song and he goes, take it, Tom. And Tom goes, no. <laughs> just And then the audience just is like, but that's what's supposed to Like, uh, they yeah. lose it. And then there's the other one, Jimmy Crack Corn. Jimmy Crack Corn and I don't care. And Tom starts singing, mm-hmm. Jimmy Crack Corn, I don't care. Jimmy Crack Corn and I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. And Dick goes, those aren't the words. And he goes, I don't, I don't care. care. <laughs> it's beautiful. Classic. What, when we were in a sketch troupe, Radio Vault, I think for our very first show, the slogan I came up with, was uh, brought to you by Jimmy's Crack Corn. You don't like it? We don't care. We don't care. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah. It's a great joke. It's, our, it's built into the <laughs> built into the song. I, I really like too on the other album. The uh, we were talking about it before the the Laredo song. Oh, it, Streets it's, of Laredo is one of the best. So beautifully they, sung. They never change it. It's the same song. Yeah. They just change the lyrics a little bit, and it's just naturally flowing out of it uh, about. 
I can. Somebody says in the, the lyrics of the song, "I can. I see by your outfit that you are a cowboy." But there's and, two of them, so, so the he other says, one responds. "I see by your outfit you are a cowboy too." We <laughs> see by our outfits that we are both, both cowboys. cowboys. If you, you get, get an, an outfit, outfit you, you can, can be, be a cowboy, cowboy too. <laughs> and that's the end. Once the joke's out, they they stop. It's a two minute. And they bit, don't. And, and they don't perfect. sing the whole song. They no, just sing they this little bit to. of it. And that's. I think that's my favorite thing about it is that once once the joke is out, They're they out. kill it. Yeah. And uh, you know, we see so many times on Saturday Night Live. I think. They just plan to have eight-minute sketches across the board so they don't have to write too many. And let's come up with a concept and then come up with variations for that for Beat seven Beat the bars minutes. to death and yeah, not have an ending. Yeah, but, you <laughs> know, they used to do blackouts on the show. And, and Kids in the Hall used to do blackouts and SCTV. And you don't have to have a seven- or eight-minute sketch to be funny. No. You can – I mean, it's more work to write more short sketches, I guess, than a well, few and, long and ones. To, and but, Tom and Dick have their songs as the, right, as the fallback, right. like as their safety net. They have mm-hmm. a very well-sung, very well-played folk song. Right. But their bits around the intro and in between the in between the verses and stuff, that's where the, they yeah. shine as comedians. When I listened to this the other day, I had forgotten how – Amazing! What amazing musicians they yeah. really are. Mm. Their, their harmonies are beautiful. Their their finger picking style is absolutely incredible. They're amazing performers that way, and yeah. are just great legitimate folk singers. Well, and that's I mean that's something you hear commonly in like clown, and is mm. that. Which you do, do, correct? Yeah, I dabble. Uh, Which is to say, there's 12 people in the city who will pay to see it. So once a year, I might do something. Um, Part-time blue-collar clown. Exactly. (laughs) The Sherilyn Um, Johnson story. Um, but yeah, it is, it is sort of said that like in order to do something funny, you need to do it well first. Um, so, you know, you see people doing, uh, you Mm. know, like, acrobatics and really really broad slapstick and it's because they can do like you know stage combat and they can they right. know how to how to move physically and then they can do it funny well that and that's why buster keaton and charlie chaplin were so popular right i mean they were great at falling down but then can immediately stand back up from a tumble and it's sure, amazing to see these yeah, uh, basically athletes yeah yeah it is, yeah it is a lot more impressive if you are going to do a some sort of like a comedy sketch about dancing if you're exceptional at the dance, yes. if you practice that right. dance, it's even funnier. Yes. Because you don't expect the person to be that good at just it. Just nail it. Yeah. yeah. Just like, nail wow. it. And everybody goes, whoa. And then the funny stuff on top of it goes, this guy's amazing. Yep. So that's right. the Smothers Brothers are very good musicians. Yeah. And, and they have they play other instruments later on, but it's really just an acoustic and a stand-up bass. And that they manage to keep the one song we heard, they keep this awesome pace going. Oh, yeah. Throughout. Yeah, the, and yeah. they just keep it going. Yeah. As they're bitching at each other. Yeah. And somehow it's still the same. Like it's just keeping going yeah. and keep it going. And they're st- just riffing with each other. Right. But they're good enough to just like the music is almost secondary. And then when you start to focus on it, you're like, Jesus, they're good. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, it wouldn't work if it was any less good. Um, and uh, someone uh, – we had a question on Twitter. Someone asked uh, when they had writers such as Rob Reiner and Steve Martin, uh, how do we feel – that the music from the Smothers Brothers influenced them. And I would think mm-hmm. it probably influenced Martin 
greatly. Huge, I mean, yeah. now he's an, uh, a Grammy winning banjo player mm-hmm. and he always had that as part of his act. But he was uh, more of a magician early on. Almost. Well, like, that's that where he too. Started, yeah. Right? And it, it was, he's so funny. Yeah. Cause he, well, he started out Martin as uh, working at the magic shop at Disneyland, Disneyland in California. Yeah. And oh, wow. so he learned to be a magician and he loved showmanship yeah. and he incorporated, yeah, magic and music into his acts very early on. He had the banjo very early on, the arrow through the head, the bunny ears yeah, yeah. And, and then bad magic. Like <laughs> his, his spot on the Smothers Brothers show was him doing magic tricks, but. But really see, you have to do it really well you before do. you can yeah. do it it's funny. True. Yeah, it takes it's a, a great very point. good magician or a very good singer uh-huh. to be able to do that badly. Like yep. to uh, Jim Carrey came yeah. out on Jay Leno a few years ago and sang "White Christmas" one note off the whole song, <laughs> <laughs> which was beautiful because really? he had a boys choir that was nailing it in the background, <laughs> and then he's off by one. Like, like I, my friend who's a musician listens to me, he's like, it's either one or a half note. Like he's j- and it's enough that you're. Like, it'd be hard to do, <laughs> and it's and not, impo- like you've got to be a very good singer to yeah. keep yourself one note off from that. catching back up to them. Yeah, but Steve Martin being the bad magician, Steve Martin being yeah. on that show, the Smothers Brothers have an air of polish. Yes, they are very mm. polished at everything. Absolutely. The sketches, the songs, the banter, even though it seems unrehearsed, everything about it is polished. And when Steve Martin hits the stage doing his bits, his wild and even wild and crazy. It's polished. Oh, yep. yeah. He wouldn't put it up there if it wasn't. He wouldn't be able to get away with it either. People can tell real bad from oh, yeah. from, from fake bad. From yeah. fake bad. And even if they don't know they can. Uh, and I love that whole idea of Steve Martin's character that he – it was basically a character he played on stage. was just this, this pompous showman who was terrible at, at what he did. Uh, but the confidence was never shaken. I thought, and he, such and, a, but it, the polish is, I think, to answer this Twitter question, is what he may have picked up from the Smothers yeah. Brothers. They oh, wouldn't yeah. Put anything well, they were the on ultimate show. showman. Yeah. They mm-hmm. wouldn't put anything on TV that wasn't polished. No. No. Yeah. Oh, man. I wish we could go back and watch all that stuff. It's, it's so like the definition stuff. of like an entertainer. Yes, yeah. and, and they are entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. They're musicians and they're being funny. Yeah. Well, they're, yeah. They're, they're, they're an, they're to me, act. it's like the next – there really wasn't a next era of vaudeville after it died, but they would have been at the forefront of that <laughs> if it close, existed. Yeah. Like in the, yeah. in the yeah. '60s, that's what vaudeville would have been. Would mm. be the Smothers Brothers show. Yeah, yeah. Vaudeville. Hey, there's a little less, you know, value put on polish now. You know, everyone's. Yeah. It's all about getting famous fast and doing mm-hmm. the next thing, and, yeah. and no one has. No, no one wants. No one wants to spend the time on doing it right. Well, Kids people also days. want to be relatable, and I think some people think relatable means being an average slob. But that's not really what people want to pay to go see. They want to see no. somebody who can do something they can't. Yes. If you're advertising a show and people pay to see it, they, they're paying you. They're paying to see the thing you say you're good at. Yeah. So you should show right. them you're good at it and then more people will come to see you do it. Yeah. I, and I, you know, I, I totally understand why a lot of audiences were polarized by people like Andy Kaufman. You know, like He would stand there and read a book or something for half an hour. Like. You're not, mm. you're not, and then they yelled, you know, do laca and other stuff from taxi. But, <laughs> and I get that, but oh. that's a whole other conversation. That's a whole other, yeah, we should do, I don't know. If did, Bob, did he put an album I out of know. reading a book? Because we could do that. Don't, we could cheat and just listen to the soundtrack to taxi the, and watch the new documentary. Uh, oh, the Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey one? documentary about filming Man on the Moon. Oh, is there a new one out? Oh, oh it oh, is. Wow. I highly recommend it. Um, I, it. I saw it at TIFF. Uh, and and got to meet Jim Carrey. Really? Dream, dream oh, come true. Oh, met him. He's really evolved um, into an interesting. Character oh, he's batshit crazy. Yeah, he's, he's gone. Nuts. He's off his 
Yeah. Yeah. He seems to be enjoying himself, but he also looks very sad, if that makes sense. He he seems to like screwing around with the media and stuff and and being very subversive, but why? But anyway, everyone should watch that documentary. (laughs) Okay, what's it called? Um, Do you remember? uh, It's called uh, Jim and Andy. Jim and Andy. uh, Beyond the... Ah, damn it. Uh, I apologize, but it's on Netflix right now. Um, it's, it's very good. If you, even if you think that like the method actor thing is kind of bullshit, which I do. I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> it is a fascinating, uh, it is a fascinating film. Uh, and the footage, uh, what's that? You saw it at TIFF, you said? Yeah, I saw it at TIFF, but it's on Netflix. Um, uh, I think it was just released yeah, on Netflix. But, uh, oh, cool. Yeah, just a couple weeks ago, but, uh, so it's, yeah, it's very interesting. Apparently it's called Jim and Andy, the Great Beyond. The, Great Beyond. the story of Jim Carrey and Andy Kaufman featuring mm-hmm. a very special contractual, contractually obligated mention of Tony, Tony Clifton. I'm not surprised Tony, you remember the whole... Tony Clifton, a.k.a. Bob Zamuda's career. But anyway, <laughs> that's, a, that's also another that's conversation. That's another long story. <laughs> uh, okay, we have a, another uh, question from the audience here. Um, funny Nug mentioned Steve Martin wrote for the Smothers Brothers you can feel some influence there who else do you think they've influenced ooh wow gosh well any 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 musician comedians mm-hmm. anybody who like um, when Zach Galifianakis started he like we said he did a, a special at the Purple Onion mm-hmm. when yeah. he first started doing comedy he would do it at a piano, piano yeah. he would, mm-hmm. and That's he's true. a very good piano player yeah. yep. and he would play the piano and do again, his jokes again has to be very you good have at to it be good at it to, yeah. then to come up he was basically Stephen Wright at the piano he would yes, his one liners were that. incredible yeah. yep. and he would play beautiful music while he did it yep. uh, I think any musician comedian worth their salt knows who the Smothers Brothers are and has yeah. a little bit of influence from Absolutely. that. Um, even now, uh, the doo uh, John and Dave, uh, are very accomplished musicians and singers that uh, play characters when they're, you know, John sure. has his and Dave has his, and they're filthy. Mm-hmm. But yeah. this is like, that's what they're, they're in suits when they perform. They mm-hmm. present mm-hmm. an air of polish. It's yeah. that kind of thing that I like. Yeah, Jerry, Jerry Seinfeld wears a suit. Like yeah. the comedians that still wear suits, it's this yeah. this missing generation of people that still dress up to ride on a plane. Uh, it's, um, <laughs> but Sam Raimi wears a suit directing. He's there's like a, a Hitchcock homage. There's a bit of polish to that. There's yeah. a bit of presentation. I am an actor. They respect the crowd. It's yeah. a respect thing. Yeah. Well, Louis cool. C- C- nice. C- is wearing a suit now, so I don't Finally. know. Not but... wearing a suit instead of a black T-shirt? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't think <laughs> that gives him an air of polish. I don't think so yeah. either. No. Finally got it there. It depends what he's polishing. True. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, hey. Too soon. <laughs> Not oh, enough. I just got yeah, that. Throw hey, enough sexual over. harassment uh, <laughs> accusations at someone, they'll put on a suit. That's right. Distraction. You, you can dress up a pig all you like. Uh, look at me. I'm a real grown-up. They only did really one parody song on the on the album, which was the the Tom Dooley, or Tom Crudely, as, uh, yep. <laughs> as Dick originally wrote it, uh, allegedly. That was probably a very early version of... Uh, of parody songs on an album. I, uh, I'm a big fan of the Arrogant Worms, and they're, they're not right. doing as much stuff as they used to. Oh, but man. Um, yeah. all three of them are goofy. But uh, I think Mike would be the one who would sort of take it, sort of take it too far, and the other two would just sort of glare at him until he came, you know, meekly back to the right. microphone and you know do the song. So yeah. I think there's a little element of that, of that there. Fair enough. And Corky and the Juice Pigs. Corky and the Juice Pigs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, maybe you could say Weird Al was influenced by the Smothers Brothers. I mean, I we could guess so. all day. Sure, yeah. 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 I mean, <laughs> another very accomplished musician, by the way. Oh, yeah. yeah. And He's his incredible. band. The band never gets enough credit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, I loved yeah. it. He played live on, I think it was, was it uh, last week tonight? 
he did a he did a bit about America. Like, Don't blow us up, North Korea, or something yeah. like that. And that was the first time <laughs> in a long time I'd seen him do something live. And yeah, the band was amazing. His accordion playing is amazing. His singing is very on point. Yeah, he's he's quite a talented dude, man. And got uh, a folk artist who does just straight folk songs, but is hilarious in between on stage. A guy named Vance Gilbert. Oh, um, Vance is awesome. Oh, oh my I'm not God. Um, I, yeah, I've been a fan of his for a long time and, and haven't seen him live in eons. But um, the way he tells stories, and he's such a character. And then Canadian he guy? just... No, no. Uh, oh. Virginia, I think. I think okay. um, so but yeah, check him out. He's... Right uh, and just this incredible voice and, uh, like, you know, makes you want to almost cry. And then... Uh, fucking hilarious in yeah. between it's, wow. it's funny that his songs are so sometimes heartbreaking and yeah. then his banter between yanks the rug out from under that yeah. oh, nice. and then, then going funny. back into the sad songs yanks it out from being funny and you're really thrown off the whole show <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's fun it's a great show I dig uh, we have another uh, question here uh, you folks spent a lot of the podcast talking about the rest of their career yes uh, what do you think makes this album special this is the first one yeah. Uh, this is also, I think, anybody who never got a chance, because they they did a lot of club shows around California and mm-hmm. San Fran and mm-hmm. all that. So anybody across the country who couldn't make it out there, who had heard of how good the Smothers Brothers were, this was the chance for the rest of the country to hear mm-hmm. the Smothers Brothers. And I think it's a great introduction to what they do. I, yeah. I think it was a, sort of a proof of concept, too, that mm-hmm. the fact that it did well um, sort of opened the doors for, for them and for other comedians to keep doing Silly stuff. Yeah, like this. this works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we can. Mm-hmm. They proved it works. And so let's do. Let's not. Now I can do this. Now someone right. else can do this. And it's interesting to me that this was only a year after the Bob Newhart album and the the Nichols and May album. I mean that that year year and a half was a huge time for comedy albums and just this new medium of people putting jokes to <laughs> to vinyl. You well, know? and also a new medium and of selling. It. This is something you can go and see. Yeah, these mm-hmm. this used to be. Uh, uh, vaudeville we were saying you used to have to yeah. go see this kind of stuff at vaudeville and now you could go to a jazz club and see a guy do a stand-up show you can go yeah. to a small theater and see Nichols and may do their thing or bo- watch bob newhart talk to himself for a while yeah it's just such a very at the time it was such a new thing right and there weren't and there weren't really comedy clubs so right. these were the places you had to go well, and it was also very localized i mean th- this the idea of the comedy album made them immediately National, if not international, yeah. and that, yeah, that's what brought them all yeah. that exposure a before television. You know? A different time, yeah. yeah, so amazing. And and these guys, their show, I think it was only on for two years before yes. CBS kicked them off the air. For, uh, you don't hear you don't hear it a lot in, in what we listen to tonight, but they became quite political, super uh, subversive, very yeah. subversive. Very, well, but yeah, they were that was of the time. Yeah. You know, CBS yeah. thought, oh, we'll put the nice, safe white boys on TV. Yep. And they didn't right. want to be safe. Yeah. They had yeah. a they had a yeah. national you know soapbox to go on and say whatever they yeah. wanted. Yeah. And that's crazy. I had no clue that why yeah, that they were even canceled. I only yeah. knew them from yeah, they from the right. yeah. Yeah. full out band yeah. from CBS. That's yeah. crazy. They they got into racism and Vietnam and, and the politics. Yeah, it was of the, the Vietnam day. stuff that really yeah. Yeah. David yeah. Steinberg did his preacher bit on that. Oh, yeah. 
David really? Steinberg was like he, he had a bit there? every week where he did a preacher bit and it was on that show. Right. And so there was religious stuff that he talked well, about. And CBS had, did not like that. Right, yeah. And Don Novello, I'm sure, was a part of the religious stuff because so, he, he went on to play uh, Father Guido Father Sarducci. Guido. And, right, and yes. And yeah, this, that's pretty you know, heavy stuff for the time. Yeah. This is a few years before laughing. And, and uh, wasn't Pete Seeger banned from TV and they had Pete Seeger on? Yeah, they had Pete the Seeger. Whole thing. Buffalo Springfield. Yeah. Uh, yeah, God. they had some the, the doors. Uh, the the Who was on, and they literally blew up their uh, yeah the drum the set at the end. Story of about That's the crazy. drum set and the injury. You yeah. you hear like the legendary story of yeah the yeah. Who were on TV and they blew it was on the Smothers Brothers show that yeah. they did it like it's yeah. just weird weird. But I, well, I the think story, people yeah the story of that was that they loaded one piece of explosive into the drum kit and then the stagehand was like I'm gonna put a second one in there but, <laughs> but the band was also like I'm gonna put a second one in there so there were three and yeah it didn't I think go I've well. seen this Looney Tunes cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> That's when they play the one note on the piano. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah the teeth or the piano keys. God, geez. I, I love that we're talking about all the, all this stuff about the show because I feel like a lot of people these days think of it as almost like hee-haw. Like it's just a very yeah. uh, harmless show. But yeah, it was how, a, how, much more edgy than people give yeah, it credit for. How edgy for. could the guys from the shredded wheat commercial exactly, be? Exactly, yeah. These edgy, guys in time. Yeah, the, the, the nice boys in Acoustic. suits yeah. talked about Vietnam and racism and got thrown off a national television network yeah. for years, for decades. They weren't allowed on TV. Well, it's like, the, the, like I, I feel like that, that was my impression because I grew up only knowing – well, first of all, just the yo-yo guy. Yeah, like that was, I was just like blown away. So you almost recovered. Yeah, I'm okay. I had a beer. I'm I'm fine. But uh, yeah, hearing this, like seeing them, you wouldn't think that they would be capable, I guess, of, of standing up for stuff like that. Yeah. But it, yeah, that's I'm learning so much. Yeah, I'm, thank the, you. For that show, this. that show won an Emmy. And uh, one of the coolest things in 1968, so Tommy, uh, one of the brothers, the Yo-Yo Man. uh, Oh, good. (laughs) He was, uh, not to confuse you, same guy. Um, He was was very much part of the writers. He wrote a lot of the material on the show. But he took his name off the ballot for the Emmy because he thought it would be a disservice to the writers in that having his name attached. So he he didn't get one. So then 40 years later. At the uh, at the Emmys in 2008, Steve Martin presented Tommy with a oh, with, a, got with one. a 1968 Emmy with his wow. name on it, and and you should look it up because uh, Tommy's speech is amazing. Did he do like crazy yo-yo tricks? Is like <laughs> no, <laughs> he's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was very sincere, and it was it's a very touching moment. He got a standing ovation, and to wait 40 years for that, I mean. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Just so, like, but he nice. didn't want he didn't want to taint it. Yeah, by because he, he was the one team. of the stars. He was one of the, the stars. Yeah. He was like, that's not they for me. Take it the, seriously, the writers. Man, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. that's but, very but he, cool. Uh, but he got his recognition forty years later, and how ap- appropriate for Steve Martin to be the guy to present it to him. Yeah, yeah and yeah. Uh, full circle. <laughs> very nice, beautiful. Uh, okay, guys. Uh, so I'd like to get your final thoughts on the album, Adam Mc- McNamara. <laughs> oh yeah, what do I like? Uh, yeah, I, I I like this album because well, one, I I feel I've learned a lot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> At least about the true identity oh, of man. the yo-yo man. No, like, yeah. like, we, we all feel Just like you learned serious. a lot. I know you've like, learned a lot. Yeah, like <laughs> that's really cool. I don't know what was wrong with young me, but like just not realizing that. Because he wore a different shirt, and maybe maybe it was just like the costume change. I'm like, well, this is a new person. And After the show, I'm going to tell you something about Clark Kent that's going to blow your mind. <laughs> no, I liked 
I, I, I really like this because one, I learned a lot. Uh, not to bring up the yo-yo thing, but like, yeah, wow. Um, but also I, I feel it's, it's good to listen to first albums of these comedians just to kind of see where they mm. came from because like, you know, Bob Newhart and Smothers Brothers and everybody, like they're just so established. But when you listen to their earlier, earlier stuff, I guess you can kind of see how they grew yeah. and, and where they went from there. And so it's, it's interesting just to, Experience that. How great would it be to be just on a fly on the wall before their first show? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah. How, how were they deciding to do this? Were they going to be musicians first, but they had yeah. that, they've been working as brothers their whole lives and did they mm. just have that natural rapport and the natural banter? And it yeah, evolved, yeah. I'd love to know where that came from. Yeah, no, and, and it's interesting too. Like, I, I, I feel that, like, in, in some of the comedy I do, that, like, I, I love how they, they just have the natural banter. And, and how the comedy comes out of that and just like you're just talking. You're just talking to somebody mm-hmm. and then and then say somebody calls you on it and it's like, mm-hmm. wait, like hold on. and then it kinda like sneaks up on you almost. So like yeah. just just hearing that and being like, wow, like that's that's something that you Well and I love amazing. hearing an argument between people who are very familiar with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when you see people cut somebody off in the street, ah, screw you, ah, they're just yelling, they're just so antagonistic. But yeah, yeah, yeah. if you know someone and you're comfortable, but you also love them, that you you speak in a different way, and I feel like they have that. And yeah, and it's, and it's like you said, like the the brother aspect of it that they yeah. can get away with a lot of it because yeah. it's like yeah, they're they're family. Like yeah. like I don't I don't argue with a stranger like I argue with my brother, right? Because it would be weird. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just, yeah, there's a different dynamic. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, no, it was, it was great hearing that. It was the first time I heard it. So. Cool. Yeah. How about you, Sherilyn? Um, I like it because it is so clearly of the time. You know, like a, yeah. a lot of albums, you know, from, from that era, it is very clearly of a time without being dated. Like, it mm-hmm. holds up in that... There's nothing about it, you know, other than maybe the subtlety of some of the innuendo, sure. um, you know, or, in, you know, in place of... Stuff that surprised me, like, though. They got away with, I think, bitch, uh, a, yeah. a whore a couple they times. A in a way. Without saying, <laughs> uh, without saying whore, They said yeah. horny in reference yeah. to yeah. horns the for horns. Jezebel. Like, and uh, yeah, so, and you can, you can tell from the audience reaction that that's considered... You know, edgy at that time, but yeah, not Mm. not cursing. But you know, today, obviously, you know, it wouldn't get as much of a reaction. It's more of a you know, cute pun innuendo. But um, yeah, I I like that it it holds up. It doesn't feel (laughs) outdated. It doesn't feel you know. I mean, even comedy from twenty years ago, sometimes you listen to and you're like, yeah, this just doesn't hold up. But it it's it's still an enjoyable listen. Yeah. Even though it wouldn't be made the same way today. It's, it's interesting because uh, yeah, it's interesting that it's, it, it doesn't feel dated, but it feels quaint in a yes, way. Yes, yeah. Um, and they're smart not to talk about anything timely, mm-hmm. but they do talk about history, but it's sort of made up history. <laughs> right. Um, you know, the, the marching to Pretoria, that's – that's a. I love the line in that where he says, "All marching songs are in foreign countries," and what a great little comment about war that is, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that was a war um, in in Africa that took place in the early 1900s or something like mm-hmm. that. So that was a, that was a folk song or a, a marching song from then. Um, yeah, so so that was it's far enough back that they can look back on it, so it doesn't feel like a thing of the day. The only thing that I think might suffer these days is. People probably aren't as familiar with the song Tom Dooley as they would have been in 61. Yeah. Um, it was a pretty true. massive hit at the time. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, and, and the audience you can hear in the album just loved that yeah. parody. Yeah. I think it was probably on the radio once an hour at least back then. So, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, what, how about you, Nug? This is uh, your album, Yeah, man. it's my pick. Uh, I am uh, very much uh, in favor of if you are in the comedy business, do your homework. Yeah. Know your history. Know where it came from. If you're a comedian, listen to the old comedians. If you're an improviser, listen to the sketch. Listen to the old albums. If you know, and I think this is one of the things that you should listen to, especially if you're a musical comedian, but also if you're in a, any kind of combo act. If you're in a three person, four person, or a duo, or whatever, this is something to listen to. These guys were the best at it. And it came. This was where it started, and where it took them was being one of the edgiest acts of, on television ever. Even though they're the white bread boys, and they're they just got banned from television, and you go these guys, and then when you mm-hmm. go into it and start watching their show, you're like, oh my god, and you know, Laughin owes everything to the Smothers Brothers, Absolutely. and then Laughin got to go further because the executives were okay with it, mm-hmm. but the Smothers Brothers are very important in comedy history, and this is the beginning of them, and uh, you know, th- podcasts like this where you are doing bringing back the old albums and getting people to listen to them. There, it's all like you, this is something everyone should know. Agreed. These yeah. are the kind of things like Nichols and May and Bob Newhart and Old Carlin and even Jonathan Winters put out albums that were brilliant. And it's like everybody should be listening to these. Everybody should know this. When I first started doing comedy, I was stunned that no one else had the same references mm-hmm. to Old Carlin's Toledo Window Box album. I'm like, how do you guys not right. know that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like this is bananas to me. I was brought up with this stuff, and now I'm in this business, mm-hmm. and I have my references. I, I also just to make sure you're not doing the same shit that somebody else. Well, did. this is it. Yeah. yeah, it's so it's so disheartening when you hear someone do a bit where uh, you I have to go up, put a hand yeah. on the shoulder and go, "Hey, a, a legend <laughs> did this perfectly before you were born." There was I, I, tell, I tell this story a lot where I was sitting one day. We were I was in a sketch troupe with some guys, and I was like, "Oh, what would be great if?" And I started writing a sketch. I started with the premise, mm. and then this sketch just comes pouring out of me, and I'm like, "Oh God, this is the was so fun." <laughs> So convoluted, the comedy, blah, blah, blah. And then I go, this is a Python sketch. I am just (laughs) writing a Monty Python sketch. And then I went to my – I had the scripts in a book and I went, this is almost word for word. I just thought it was so – what a fun concept. And I was rewriting an old Python sketch. And I would not have known that. And then I would have gone up on stage and somebody went, you're ripping off Mm -hmm. Monty Python. What are you doing? So knowing your history allows you to make your own stuff. But also, it can be it can be a detriment if you know too much stuff. It can seep into your self subconscious. Yeah. Like with uh, George Harrison got sued for um, "My Sweet Lord," which is basically uh, he's so fine, mm-hmm. and uh, and he lost, and he just said, you know. Fair enough. He was very cordial about it. It got in my head. I didn't even What's that think Sam about Smith it. Smith ripped off Tom Petty. Is that the most oh, recent one? Yeah. That Stay With Me by Sam Smith is just I Won't Back Down by Tom Petty. Right. Yeah, and yeah. it's the same song, and Tom Petty went, hey, and so Sam Smith owed him a ton of money. Yeah. That's with, like, Ghostbusters. Isn't it? Isn't it I want a new drug. News. I want a new drug. Yeah. Which, I mean, I like Ghostbusters better, but yeah. it's, it's <laughs> too. You know what I love about that story is that Huey Lewis sued... Um, oh, I can't think of his name now. Ray Parker, Ray Parker Jr. Jr. Thank you. Dan Aykroyd. Uh, <laughs> Dan Aykroyd. I didn't do it. Uh, <laughs> and he won. But part of the deal was that um, Huey Lewis would never reveal how much money he made. Oh, really? Oh. But then like 30 years later, like 10 years ago or something in an interview, Huey Lewis just offhandedly said, yeah, we made however many million dollars. And so – Oh, man. 
he then had to pay Ray Parker Jr. a whole bunch of money back because yeah. that breached the contract. So it was all a wash. It was all for yeah. nothing. Huey. Yeah. It's so ridiculous. You had one uh, job, Huey. Come I on. The, I bet the lawyers were happy, though. I oh, bet the, yeah, they got their fees, absolutely. <laughs> Just waiting for it? It's like, oh, come on. But yeah, this is history class. So everybody, I'm going to tell everybody to listen to this podcast. I appreciate that. This is history that. class. Well, you should know. And that's that's the whole idea of uh, doing this thing. We wanted to get people who like this stuff to talk about it and people who didn't know about it to get to hear it and understand why it's important. So yeah, thanks for being here, guys. Oh, thanks Thank for having you. us. Yeah, thanks to uh, uh, Nug Gang. Who you can find, as I said before, the Illusionoid. And what's your Twitter, sir? Uh, at Nugnargang, N-A-H-R-G-A-N-G. Right on. Uh, Sherilyn Johnson, you can find her. Uh, Twitter, Third Beat. Perfect. And Adam McNamara, do you want Twitter, YouTube? What's your uh, deal? Yeah, I'm bad with technology, so I wrote down this stuff. Uh, so Twitter is <laughs> at GamesRocks1. Facebook is Games on the Rocks. It was such a nice, smooth ending. Oh, yeah. Instagram is Games on the Rocks 1. YouTube, because there's apparently, there's something already called Games on the Rocks. It's, oh. But it's like, but it's about board games and they don't drink. So I don't know oh. why it's called Games on the Rocks. So on YouTube, <laughs> we're Games on the Rocks, the show. Okay. Ah. Even though the other Games on the Rocks is a show. Is a show. Look. <laughs> All right, folks. Thanks so much to my guests. Thanks for my audience for coming. Uh, and remember, we're here at the Social Capital Theater at Broadview and Danforth the first Thursday of every month. Next month, we'll be here December 7th for the big Christmas show. Yay! Uh, not doing a Christmas album or anything, but... No. Uh, <laughs> but uh, comedian Jordan Kennedy will be my featured guest, and he has chosen Adam Sandler's They're All Gonna Laugh at You. So Trap please in. come back and uh, join us. It's Pay What You Can with some proceeds going to Covenant House. And please, if you want to uh, download the podcast, you can find that on your podcast listening app or you can go straight to ComedyAlbumBookClub.com and find it there. Thanks so much. I'm Jason DeLine. This has been Comedy Album Book Club. Did you know using your browser in incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? Take back your privacy with IPVanish VPN. Just one tap and all your data, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be instantly protected. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. Use IPVanish on all your devices, anytime you go online at home and especially on public Wi-Fi. Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com audio. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.